0: Welcome to Bully Ball, presented by DraftKings. I'm Rachel Nichols. This is DeMarcus Cousins. He is back from 10 days in China on an all-noodle diet, right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, man. Made the best of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there is great food in China, but I unfortunately cannot appreciate it. I don't love spicy food. I know that you, uh, you're you used to your things. They don't have your things when you're away for that long, right?
1: Nah, I'm a big fruit guy, but... Uh... For the most part, the, the things that I eat on a normal basis just wasn't the case in China. But uh, you know, I grew up eating a lot of noodles, so uh, made the best of it. You know, made it work out. So uh, glad to be back home and I can get back to my regular diet. So it is. What we it will is. not
0: make you uh, eat any noodles on this podcast today. Promise. <laughs> so you, you are you. good. <laughs> We will make you talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, though, because, man, they are number two in the West. That is a sentence that I thought I would say at some point, but maybe not this season. They are early, early, early. We knew how good Shea Gildress Alexander was. Chet, though, averaging 18 points per game, 8 rebounds per game, 2.3 blocks per game. His shooting splits, Boogie, are 56, 44, and 88. As I said, SGA killing it as always, 36 and 6. I mean, look, let's talk about Chet first because big man's a big man. Tell me mm-hmm. what you see with him.
1: Man, I, I think he, I think he's come in and played the right style of basketball. Uh, obviously, you know, Chet coming in, he was a super talented player, uh, came in with a lot of notoriety, um, super talented on both ends of the floor. I don't think he gets enough credit for how competitive he is as a player. Yeah. Uh, he accepts every challenge. He's fearless. Uh, It doesn't matter who he's matching up with on a nightly basis. He's going to go out and give 110%. So, uh, you know, credit to him. And uh, I think he's playing the right style of basketball. He doesn't do too much. He's he's taking the open shots given to him. He plays within the system. He plays within the floor of the team. And, uh, you know, he's been a great anchor on the defensive end for this team. Uh, He's doing everything. He's doing everything correctly. And uh, I think he's also putting up a big case. A rookie of the year. I mean
0: That's a hundred percent. It's interesting, <laughs> it, right? Because Victor Webanyama still projects out as gonna be the better player eventually, mm-hmm. but Chet is he's benefiting from that year that he sat because obviously you're still around the team, even though you're injured and not getting mm-hmm. playing time, you're learning how to be a professional and he's playing on a better team. I mean, this That's team true. is number two in the West. As I said, the Spurs have lost a lot of games in a row. So many, I don't have fingers to count. Although I think the guy behind me does anyway. <laughs> um, I Seriously though, like, like how much would you, if you're voting, like mm-hmm. how much would it influence you that Chet is putting up these great numbers as part of a winning team? where Victor is showing these incredible flashes of talent. I mean, he, he scored buckets in like 20 minutes the other day, but obviously it's not impacting winning in the same way.
1: Uh, I think you have to put that into consideration. Um, obviously, the, it, it's not that big of a difference in the talent level, so you have to start putting these things into play. Well, what team is winning? How much of an impact is he having on winning? Um, obviously, the success of the team. All of these things have to play a part in it. And uh, like I said, I think Chet is – He's making his case, and I mean, we we've spoke on Wimby's talent, but you look at Chet play on a nightly basis. Is there really that much of a difference outside of just being hype in general? And uh, not saying that Wimby doesn't deserve a hype because he's an incredible talent. Yeah. He's doing things we've never seen before from a player. His you know his nature, but at the same time, Chet isn't that far off. He's doing a lot of the same things. It's just not as much coverage with Chet, but you know averaging these numbers almost shooting 50 40 90 for a rookie that's, that's that's really impressive. So uh and on top of that he's winning. So uh you have to give you have to give him his credit where credit is due and uh, he's he's having a huge he's having a huge first year. So credit to him.
0: Yeah and as you, you said he's got a killer instinct. I mean he definitely was not going into this year just, you know, giving away rookie of the year. He was like, "Yeah, you've you've heard of that French guy, but Look at me. Look right. at me. I love mm-hmm. it. And and his success and how good he's been has created an interesting problem for the Thunder. A good problem, good problem to have. I mean, they did such a good job. They made out like bandits in that Paul George trade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of these deals along the way, the Russell Westbrook trade. They accumulated so many picks. And this coming up draft, they have four picks just in this draft and They have a question now, do you trade away some of those and try to get a win now kind of player because you've got pieces. I mean, SGA certainly has been super patient there. And mm-hmm. I would love if I was the front office to reward him a little bit with like a little bit more firepower next to him. Or do you just keep drafting these great players? I mean, they hit again with Case and Wallace, like they know how to draft there. These are This is the crew that obviously drafted uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin mm-hmm. Durant all together. So clearly they could put together one of those kinds of teams just through drafting. Um, But I don't know. I mean, you're talking about guys who look like they're ready. If they had one more big piece, what would you do?
1: Uh, I think they're in the perfect position right now. Uh, I think they've, what most teams look for is a core group. And I think they ended Mm -hmm. up finding that. They have Jalen Williams, they have Chet, and they also have SGA, who's having a phenomenal year. And I think an MVP year. I think his name should be in that discussion as one of the top guys as an MVP uh, candidate this year. But I think the Thunder in a position where they have their core pieces, now it's about filling out, you know, the pieces around and putting in compliment players to help elevate this team to hopefully, you know, championship level. With those four picks this year, you absolutely get rid of them. You you can add a guy like Pascal Siakam that takes that team over the top. You can also go a little further and take Pascal and possibly OG uh, Onanobi. And that team is now a serious contender. So, uh, and still, even adding those two guys, you still have, what, 40-plus picks <laughs> coming up. I mean, they have so many picks in, in the near future. So uh, I think they're in the perfect position. Um, I think they're in a position now to start thinking, you know, championships. So uh, it's, it's perfect for the Thunder right now. It was just, it's just deciding on what they want to pull the trigger on and what pieces they want to add around those guys.
0: I mean, look, obviously you need some things to fall your way along the process. I mean, the Kawhi-Paul George thing isn't something that you could plan for, right? That Kawhi Mm -hmm. wanting Paul to come with him obviously elevated the market and what they could get for PG. All that being said, these guys are showing Sam Presti over and over again, you can be a small market team and build greatness. I mean, this is literally the second time he's doing it. So I, I, I think it's sort of a message to the rest of the league. And I don't know, man, those guys you mentioned, they're all under 30. That's the right. thing. I mean, we talk about the timeline and this is a young team and you want guys who fit into their timeline. If a guy's in his 20s, it works. I mean, Shea's, what, 25 years old? So if you had a guy who was 28, 29 years old, that's that's still in his window. I mean, you're not signing him to a 10-year deal. Yes. So I just I think even with Chet being younger and, and all of that, I don't know. I think SGA has been super patient right? I mean, he got traded to that team. He was already, we knew when he walked out of the door here in LA, how good he was. And the Clippers were very loath to give him up. Right. And the idea that he has sat through for these years, being on this rebuilding team, being in a market where he hasn't gotten as much shine as maybe he's deserved for how he's playing. I mean, if he was in a Northeast team these last, you know, what, three, four years? Like- yes you'd be hearing his name more nationally than just with hoop fans. So I don't know if I'm the front office, I want to keep him engaged. I want to keep him, you know, believing in everything here. I might, Mm -hmm. you know, trade away some of those picks and try to, try to get some win now. And that's kind of the other question about this team. So I'm not sure they're going to be number two in the West going in the playoffs, but how far do you think they could get, even if they just stay exactly as they are this year, no more trades. Like how far do you think they could get in the West?
1: Uh, I think they're a playoff team this year. Um, yeah. Youth youth is kind of the movement right now in the NBA. Uh, youth is winning games. So, uh, I, like I said, I think they're in the perfect position to make something happen. Uh, what those complement pieces can be. Uh, as of right now, draft picks, having 40 draft picks can't win you games. Yep. But what you can get <laughs> back for those 40 draft picks <laughs> is what's going to help take this team to the next level. So, like I said, they have their core foundation. What are you going to add around that to take these guys to the next level? Yes, SGA has been patient. Reward them. Put them in a, put them in a position to actually go win something. Uh, I think he's playing MV, MVP caliber basketball. You Put those compliment pieces around it, they got a chance. So uh, it just depends on what they want to pull the trigger on to, you know, elevate this team to the next level.
0: I mean, he's in the conversation, right? That's my favorite phrase. I think later in the second half of the season, we're going to do a segment called In the Conversation because <laughs> I, I love that about MVP. He's in All the right. conversation. All right. Some of the other teams in the West not doing as well, Boogie. your former Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, three and seven in their last 10. Now, they do get Draymond Green back tomorrow as we sit there, but uh, as we sit here. But, uh, you know, him being out has not been the only problem. Wiggins, man, career lows across the board. I'm going to look at these numbers here career lows and points, field goal percentage, three point percentage, even minutes per game. And Clay Thompson, and that's who I really want to talk about. He's struggling. He averaged 22 points a game last season. He's only at 15 points a game, which they need more from him. You played with Clay. Uh, you you know how he works and what spots he's comfortable in. He just hasn't looked comfortable. His catch-and-shoot numbers are bad. Only 39% on catch-and-shoot this season. Mm-hmm. What do you see with him why he's not doing what he should be doing?
1: Uh, I don't see anything. It's early in the season. Uh, we've seen Clay have, you know, slight slu- uh, shooting slumps. Like, this is yeah, all part true. of basketball. We also have seen Clay come out and explode for <laughs> 60, 50, 40, whatever the case may be. So, uh just give it time. I think Clay'll find his, his rhythm eventually. Shooter, uh, shoot. Or shoot uh, you shoot through your misses. You continue to shoot okay. through your misses, and I, and we all know Clay'll do that. So uh, it's only a matter of time before Clay gets back into his, the the Clay we're accustomed to seeing, and uh, you know putting up huge games for this for this team. So uh, you just kind of got to take the the bad with the good right now, and the good with the bad, and uh, you know just give him a chance to play through this slump. But to, to think that clay is now you know not as good anymore right. you don't you don't forget how to shoot like that's yeah. that's something you just, you could be 40 50 years old you can come out and make a jump shot um, yeah. is he no, the most I mean, athletic player is he the fastest probably maybe not but as far as him being able to shoot the ball this is what clay does and I, and I think he'll get back to it eventually it's just a matter of time
0: Look, I mean, he's clearly he is will go down as one of the best shooters of all time. I mean, Steph will tell you that Clay is technique in terms of technique is a better shooter than he is. So, of mm-hmm. course, you don't forget how to shoot.
1: Absolutely. Not. It's
0: hard from the outside a little bit to know Clay like he's, you know, I've known him for years and years and years and he's quirky obviously and he's super laid back when he's around us the media. Um, I can't tell from the outside if like he gets in his own head about his shooting or not. Did you see that at all? that, Where that
1: is head? something that Clay does. Uh, yeah. Uh, with any athlete, confidence pushes everything. Everything that you work on in your craft, confidence is what pushes that ahead. So, uh, if if his if his confidence is there, isn't there to go with everything that he puts into the game, then obviously it's going to be some type of a struggle. Um, Once he does find his confidence, you'll see the Clay that averaged 20, 22, 23 points a game. Just a matter of time. And um, all athletes go through it. You have your days where you feel like you're the worst, and you have the days where you feel like you're untouchable. You're the best to ever touch a basketball. So um, that's just part of this journey. This is part of the the nature of this beast. So uh, eventually, Clay will find his, his rhythm, and we'll see what we're used to seeing from Clay Thompson.
0: Yeah. All right. So, given all that, and the fact that Steph uh, Steph Curry has actually combusted on fire at times this season, he's got had some crazy games already. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your worry level for the Warriors within this Western Conference?
1: Um, it can go either way. Uh, obviously, when they have their core group intact with Draymond, Clay, and Steph, they'll always yeah. have a chance, but. What happens with this team is it's always about the company company around them. What are they putting around them to elevate this team, to make that core group better and vice versa? Um, We can go back to talking about the Jordan Poole trade. Do I think the trade was necessary? Absolutely. I think it was best for both sides. Uh, With Jordan Poole moving on and figuring out who he is as a a professional athlete, and obviously this core group moving on trying to win more championships. Uh, But I don't think the trade was handled the correct way I think it was almost where they kind of settled I think you could have got a lot more for that piece I think you could have got a piece that could could have elevated this team and not made it kind of you know I guess you could say get worse Um, it could have even been a situation where they kind of evened out and I don't think that happened Um, I spoke on it earlier before just that addition with Chris Paul being at the stage of his career that he's at I did not see this team being able to elevate like Chris right. Paul, at this stage, his career does not elevate this Warriors team. And I think it was just plenty of other plays or situations that could have been better for this team. But like I said, I believe they settled.
0: I mean, look, I think Chris has done some good things for the Warriors. He's fit in better than I expected him to. Mm-hmm. And his willingness to come off the bench and, and sort of lead that unit is really the best way to play him, right? That way he can sort of have his own time on the floor and do the Chris Paul things yeah. that he does. So I don't think I, – I, I think – he's had some success there but i get your point that he doesn't raise the bar enough for mm-hmm. what you'd want to get for jordan obviously jordan's had some struggles in dc so his trade value maybe has gone down since yes. he's gotten there but it was higher when they dealt him Absolutely. obviously they had to get rid of him i mean you you made the point like you've heard draymond talk since then and everyone around the team talk like the environment just was not good i think it's an andrew wiggins issue Because we saw last year when he was out for an extended period of time, you know, the personal issues going on, they really missed him as they were making that final drive for the postseason. And he's back and he's playing now. But again, career lows all the way around. If they can get him back to where he was when he was really kicking it in the middle of last season, I think that's where the leap would be with this team. So I don't know. My worry level is with you. I'm I'm medium on that because I just think you're depending Steph's going to be Steph. I I agree. Clay's going to get out of his slump. Mm -hmm. Draymond, people love him or hate him. I think he brings huge value to that team, you know, for all all the reasons that don't show up on the stat sheet. But you need a guy like Wiggs to actually step up and and be that extra piece. So we'll see what happens. All right. Around the Western Conference, down to where I live in Los Angeles. We got two teams here on fire now, Boogie Cousins. Who knew? Both the Clippers and the Lakers are 4-1 in their last five. So I got to tell you, ask you, uh... Who's the better team in L.A.? Uh,
1: My gut is telling me to lean towards the Lakers. And the reason I can say that, uh, the Lakers know who their core foundation is, with obviously Mm -hmm. LeBron and A.D. Uh, Everything else around them is just a compliment. Uh, With the Clippers, I think they're still in the process of figuring that out, uh, who they are moving forward. They have so much talent, it's almost an overload, and it's it's now trying to figure out how are we going to make all these all this talent and all these egos fit together for the betterment of the situation, um, and I don't think that's something that you just figure out in five to ten games. I think this is going to be a season-long process for this Clippers team. So uh, the reason I can lean towards the Lakers is because they know who they are with their core found, their core foundation, and uh, it's just about making that core foundation keep moving forward and making all the complementary pieces you know, continue to play at a high level. So I think that's a more fixable situation compared to Mm -hmm. what the Clippers have going on. So uh, I'm going to have to lean towards the Lakers.
0: Well, I like what the Clippers have done since Russ moved to the bench. I do think that was a big part of figuring it out. Obviously, offense flowing. They're getting that spacing that Mm -hmm. they thought they were missing, the reason they got James. And look, he still knows how to run the floor in a way that, frankly, they haven't had since Chris Paul left. I mean, it definitely – you know, makes a difference in terms of getting the guys in their spots. PG is still really comfortable with Russ, so we've seen them on the floor together more, but Kawhi and James have a nice thing developing. So I like all of that. It's been a little complicated with Russ. I mean, the story came out that Russ asked to go to the bench, and I think we all know how that works, right, is that that's sort of what you say when a guy like that who's so proud and has had such a great career – I don't know who asked who. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Clearly he's willing to be a team player. I mean, the important thing is he's willing to be a team player, right? I mean, Absolutely. the thing about Russ is that he wants to win so badly. I think he is a bit misunderstood. That's been partly his own fault at some times, but I I don't think you can doubt his dedication to this team. And he has really put himself in a position where he is uncomfortable. He has talked a lot about how he needs his routines. He has a certain way he prepares for games that all involves being out on the floor at tip off. He said that he doesn't know who he is or how to get ready when he's coming off the bench. So I know this has been a huge adjustment for him. He's worried about his body and just, you know, not getting injured because he's not in the right place uh, physically when he comes off the bench. So all of that is a lot to ask of a guy and i think we got to give him credit for doing it even though it's clearly impacting him negatively his going through he's played five games coming off the bench so far that is the worst shooting stretch of his entire career right 35 percent shooting over the last five games he has not been able to get his rhythm on the other hand he has played tough defense he is still giving maximum effort out on the court in fact here's a great number boogie uh, opponents are shooting less than 40% against him, which is the third best in the league right now. So, I don't know. I just got to give a shout-out to him and the fact that this is working a little better uh, mm-hmm. because he's making real sacrifices. His numbers are he down. Is. His playing time is way down, right?
1: Yes. Um, like you said, I, I just don't feel like Russ gets the credit he deserves for being the teammate that he is, the, the sacrifices that he, he he continuously makes when it comes to trying to win, be in a winning situation um for some reason all his highlights are his his negatives which is unfair to him because there's so much more that goes to the game besides making shots or shooting percentages um you know credit to Russ continue to be the professional that you are uh your peers know who you are as a person your peers know what type of competitor you are We, we know how much you care about winning and we know what you put into this game so uh credit to Russ uh love bro forever um keep your head up and keep pushing. We know you will. So uh, I think eventually his, 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 the good energy that he puts out, I'm a firm believer in that. The energy you put out is yeah. what you get back. Yeah. He'll be rewarded for the good energy that he continues to put out. And um, it's just a matter of time before the rest of the world catches up and, and credits this guy for what he's done.
0: Well, he's loved in the locker room. I know that. I know he's super popular in that Clippers locker room and that's what matters. And, and uh we'll see where he goes from there. With the Lakers, I'm with you that they've they've got great, you know, looks on paper in terms of knowing who they are. I still want to see LeBron's minutes go down. I, I know he is playing some of the best basketball of his career. I mean, his shooting, the way his shooting has improved every season, I think for Absolutely. like a decade, is crazy. The shooting numbers he's got right now are insane. I mean, he's doing such incredible things, not just for a guy who's turning 39, but Period. The end. Period. But he is a guy who's turning 39, you know, at the end of this year. And if you keep playing him so hard for so long at this point of the year... We are going to see the effects by the end of the season, and they clearly need him to still be LeBron James. Yes. So I don't know. That that's the thing I'm going to keep worrying about. I want them to get more help. I think this is a team, a roster that we are going to see some tweaks to. You know, before the trade deadline, mm-hmm. so uh, we'll see. But I will tell you, in Los Angeles, after some doom and gloom at points around when I would like go to you know go to a bar, go to a coffee shop, and hear people talking, and people were not happy. There are some happy basketball fans here, so that's good. All right, let's get to On the Radar, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the in-season tournament. The games have been fun, but I'm I'm into these games. Um, We've seen hostile moments. We've seen close finishes. The Pacers, the Lakers have looked really good. The Lakers have said they're in it for the money. They've been very blunt. (laughs) We want to get the guys at the end of the bench some cash. Um, So they're they're all in it. They're undefeated in the tournament. And Tuesday night, tomorrow, as we sit here, is going to dictate a lot. Um, But we do have the odds now from DraftKings on who is going to win it all. So I'm going to read those to you. The Bucks are the favorites uh, mm-hmm. plus 280. Lakers plus 500. Suns next, plus 600. They're in the same group, so that could get interesting. Uh, Kings plus 650, also in that group. Pacers, 800, plus 800. Knicks plus 1,200. I think our producer Dylan Dreyfus threw that in there. Um, Dylan, they are not winning the midseason tournament. I'm just going to tell you that now. And the Magic at plus 2,000. And I got to say, I don't think the Magic are favorites to win the midseason tournament, but I do want to give them some credit. Seven straight wins, including wins against Indiana, Denver, Boston. they have be number one number 1 ranked defense in the league. So mm. throw them in those odds, absolutely. Who do you like to win the first ever midseason tournament trophy?
1: Uh I'm a, I think I'm going to have to lean towards the Bucks as well. Uh obviously yeah. with Dame and Giannis being your two go-to guys, I think they have a chance at winning any night. So uh that's a tough that's a tough team to beat regardless of what the situation is. So obviously they they will be the favorite, but my sleeper team, I'm going to go with the Pacers. Like, this yeah, Pacers are playing incredible basketball. They're being led by the young guy, Tyrese Halliburton. He's playing incredible ball. I think MVP caliber ball, my opinion. Um mm-hmm. So I think they're a tough team to beat. Miles um, Turner playing great basketball. He's turned it around, playing inspired basketball. Buddy Hill playing some good ball. Uh The compliment pieces around him. They, they're just in a good flow right now. It looks like they have fun playing together. Um, they're they're playing inspired basketball on a nightly basis and whatever their motivation is, obviously they're, they're playing lights out for it. If it's the money, if it's just, you know, just being able to hold up the hardware at the end of, at the end of this tournament, whatever the case may be, it's pushing them to a new height. and uh, And I like what I'm seeing from this Pacers team.
0: Yeah, I think the Pacers feel that they've been overlooked a little bit. I know Tyrese Halliburton feels he's been overlooked. He feels like, hey, I should be in the conversation also. Again, Mm -hmm. for the segment, in the conversation. uh, Tyrese thinks that he should be on that national stage, and I I think they are very motivated uh, to try to win. And, And we do see... With these midseason tournaments and soccer and Europe and everything, a lot of times, sometimes it's the best team in the league and they're the best team and they keep winning and they win the midseason thing and at the end of the year the big trophy. But a lot of times the midseason tournaments in different leagues, you see guys like the Pacers come and steal it because you have the teams, the elite elite teams like the Denver Nuggets, they're focused on the end of the season, whereas a team like the Pacers, they want to make noise in Vegas, they want to get this done. It'll be interesting. Um, it also depends on how much defense is required in these games. Yes. Um, the Pacers Pacers. and Hawks last week had that game where I believe the team scored a combined 468 points. Um, Okay. Um, So, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but, but they got great energy and I love it. And I'd like to see them in Las Vegas. I think that would be incredible. All right. This week, we still got to get through the games this week before everyone heads to Nevada. So uh, let's take a look at the marquee games. Boogie, I'm going to read you a few. You tell me which game is jumping out to you as the one must watch We got thunder versus timberwolves on tuesday which on paper you're like oh thunder timberwolves these are the top two seeds in the west right now as we sit here i mean that's incredible so that that game is on tuesday on wednesday you've got clippers and kings your old team and and i gotta say that rivalry is getting good right i mean i I like Mm -hmm. how the kings are nosing in with all these other teams so you got that one and then on friday Sixers celtics that is an age old rivalry and even higher this year it's the third meeting of the season, which is kind of crazy. I feel like they play every week right now. So there's already been a little bit of bad blood there. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got Nuggets and Suns on that Friday night also. So uh, of those games, who you got? What's the one you have to watch?
1: Ah, oh, man, I think I'm going to have to go for Friday's game with um, Sixers and Celtics. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, this Sixers team is a different team. with losing James Harden and bringing in some new pieces. But uh, I think it's going to be a good test for them to see who they are as a team against top competition. Um, the Celtics team is a team they're going to have to go through in the East to, to hopefully get to a championship level. So uh, this is a big test for them. Um, Embiid is playing incredible basketball. Uh, I mean, he won MVP last year, and we, and obviously with winning MVP, it's like how could this guy get better? And he's found a way to actually become even better. Uh, he's moving the ball greatly. hes I've seen a couple of games where he's had eight, nine assists. We just haven't seen this element or this – or this part of his game unlocked since he's been in the league, and I think this is great. He's finding yeah. ways to make the people around him better, on top of still being a dominant player. So uh, this this Sixers team is—they're finding a way, and uh, I, like I said, I think this would be a good test for them to see where they are as a team and and the things they can improve on. What could they, you know, what area of their team could they improve or make better? So uh, this is a good test for them, and obviously with the Nuggets and Suns, these are two teams that. Gonna be battling one another to come out of the West, so uh, we're gonna see which one is is that. Uh, the Nuggets, they're pretty consistent. They won the championship last year. The Suns mm-hmm. team just put together. We're gonna see what can ha- we're gonna see what can happen.
0: Yeah, you know what Joel Embiid is, Boogie. He's in the conversation.
1: Always. <laughs> <Just saying.
0: laughs> I got to get to Doom Scrolls, my favorite part of the show, a little social media action for you. Uh, Draymond Green, this was all over the socials, as we say. He said he does not regret putting Rudy Gobert in a headlock. Says that will always come, he will always come to his teammates' defense. He said, quote, the league has made it clear that they are going to hold my past against me, which is, I mean, they literally came out and said that, so he is correct right. there. Uh, what did you make of all those comments? Uh,
1: this statement like this is what I fully expect from Draymond uh it's it's pretty clear that Draymond wanted to put Rudy in the headlock like let's yeah, just been be honest for here. a while yeah. let's be honest uh, <laughs> uh I mean you got to be you got to be careful with what tree you decide to bark up because eventually it's it's gonna come to a head and it did so uh I don't I, I fully expect this from Draymond um Obviously, it's going to get overlooked that he was defending his teammate, which I want in any teammate. I want I want my teammate to have my back at all times, regardless of who it is. So, uh, you know, Draymond won't get credit for being a good teammate. It's obviously going to be viewed in a negative light. Uh, his past is going to be held against him because, you know, Draymond continues to <laughs> have these type of incidents. So, uh, the, you know something league, about
0: that, Buggy. Yeah,
1: I do a little bit. But the league is going to hold it against him. They're never going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And as far as showing him any grace, that's just non existent. So, uh, yeah, that's just the territory that he's in right now. So,
0: 100%. I mean, look, it's interesting. We just saw it too with Scott Foster and Chris Paul like that you can't escape the past of oh. what all the other stuff that's gone on there. Right. And so whether it's, you know, officials being too quick to call a tech on you boogie, because like, they're like, Oh, well that's his history. That's right, what we're doing. Right, right. Or whether it's, you know, Draymond with uh, some of the things that he likes to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we are seeing all that come into play. Uh, I'm not, I'm not surprised. It would have been nice if he had said, you know, Hey, that went too far. Or I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no. I know that that is what Steve Kerr would have preferred, but that is no. also not Draymond Green. I get that. I also, I mean, look, I I, want to say very clearly, it is wrong for Draymond Green to put Rudy Gobert in a headlock the way he did. And it was like eight seconds. I mean, this was not a quick thing, you know, that kind of thing. It dragged on for a while. Also, uh, I attended a hockey game the other night. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: not only were there two significant fights during the hockey game. One involved a player putting another player in a headlock. Several times, guys took sticks and just whacked at each other. And for that uh, offense, they got put in a little box and were told to sit down for two minutes. Right. So sports are great. Obviously, hockey and <laughs> basketball different. But I was just sitting there watching all this go on in front of me and thinking... Draymond Green gets suspended for five games for eight seconds of hugging Rudy Gobert's neck. And in this other sport that we all watch and I personally love, guys are like going at each other physically hard. And they're like, yeah, you just go sit for two minutes. We're good. And then you just come back out here. I guess it's all about perspective. Everything's different. There we go. All right. Uh, Jordan Poole, we got to get to this because this has also been a big matter of conversation. Uh, you know, look, we saw a couple weeks ago, some videos surfaced of him. Uh, he wasn't paying any attention during timeouts. An assistant coach had to like drag him back. He was talking a lot of smack about, hey, it's my team and all this stuff. And he got a ton of criticism online. NBA Twitter went hard on him for this. Uh, then suddenly we saw a video of him the other day and he is so locked in. During this timeout, you would think that someone had like the winning lottery numbers in front of him. It was unbelievable. So my question is, do we think that the reaction he got, uh, you know, all that you hear about it, right? As a player, if that's all over NBA Twitter, you're going to have people sending you the tweets people Mm -hmm. are knocking off and you're going to have guys texting you. Do you think this is a result of the fans getting on him the way they did? Uh,
1: I'm not really sure what it's a result of, but regardless of what it is, I'm okay with this. This is this is showing that. He can't hold himself accountable. He's realizing that he has been bullshitting and he has been – everything that we we wanted to see from Jordan Poole, you know, taking that huge step, you know, we kind of compare his situation to James Harden of the past, like this is his chance to become this superstar in the league. He's done the complete opposite of that since he's joined the Wizards. So, uh, obviously, it's been – he needs a little humbling. He needs to come – to reality and realize like this situation is a lot more urgent and severe than he thinks. It's not just about going out, being flashy, you know, shooting turnaround threes before they go in, like all that's cool. But at the end of the day, like they put you in a position to be a franchise cornerstone and these are the responsibilities that come with it. You have to lead a certain way. Uh, you, You can't go out there and just talk the talk. You also have to walk the walk, like obviously. So, um, you know, this is, you know, a little humbling for Jordan Poole, but I think this can also help put him back on track, put him, put his mind in the in the space that he needs to be in to lead this Wizards team. And, you know, he has to realize this shit is a lot harder than just, you know, making baskets. Yeah. So um, yep. whatever it takes to, you know, help get him on track. But that small clip of him being locked in on the bench, paying attention compared to what we saw – couple of weeks mm-hmm. prior, I think that's an improvement and I'm okay with that. So uh he does realize that he has been bullshitting and like I said, he can get back on track and help lead this Wizards thing.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it's it's been more than NBA Twitter. I'm sure Wes Unseld Jr. has had a couple words for him as well. So uh we'll see we'll see what he gets. We'll see where he goes. Mm-hmm. Um this story is crazy, Bug. I, I literally had to read this twice. Uh SGA the the quote in the new york times is shea Gilgis alexander dream house turned into a nightmare that's the headline here's the deal so in may he bought a six million dollar dream house in toronto right from Mm -hmm. canada you know this is it this is the house he's going to raise his family in this is amazing you know finally made it you know your big contract you buy the house this is it two days after he moved in menacing visitors began to appear at the house looking for the previous occupant of the house It turns out that this guy was a self-proclaimed crypto king who apparently owes more than $25 million to 150 different people. And they're all looking for him. And they all think (laughs) he lives there. And apparently they're not playing around because when he did live there before the house got sold to SGA, someone came, kidnapped him tortured him. There's photos of him after he was released. Uh he is like totally his face was basically rearranged. Um and now there's more guys coming to the house looking to do the same thing, but instead of this guy answering the door, it's like SGA and his wife. I mean, like you don't want that, right? You don't want you don't want that showing up at your house if you're trying to raise a family there or anything else like that. Um and at no point during the sale did anyone tell SGA or his group that who used to be in the house. So they had no idea that this was gonna happen. They basically packed up and left. So now they're trying to reverse the sale and they're going to court over it. That's nuts though, right?
1: That's that's pretty crazy, and um, I think he's definitely taking the right steps. Uh, I would definitely get some lawyers involved. Like, it, it might be time to sue some people. Like, you seriously, gotta get to but, the
0: Sopranos involved. My yeah, Lord.
1: that's a, that's a scary situation, and uh, I hope that works out in his favor and his family's favor, and hopefully, they can get to a place where they're comfortable and able to, you know, raise their family and live live in peace. But um, that's definitely a scary situation. I don't wish that on anybody.
0: I mean, look, obviously, even if you're home. You don't want that going on. But especially if you're a pro athlete and you're on the road right. a lot, like that's that that's just not okay. Like that's, right. that's bonkers to me. Yes. Um, I also don't know how you can owe 150 people more than $25 million collectively. But I guess if you work yeah. really hard at it
1: dude was definitely into some janky business so <laughs> yeah that's, that's that's a different situation
0: <laughs> i just want you know most fans out there are not buying homes for 6 million dollars but uh, it's not all it's not all the sweet life people apparently yeah. things go wrong for them too so i don't know all right a nicer story victor webanyama as we know has been you mentioned the hype around him i mean everybody wants a piece of what they think is going to be this incredible nba legendary story and his first game worn jersey just went up for auction. It sold at Sotheby's for $762,000 for one jersey. That cracked the top five ever. I mean, that's, that's what's bonkers. Think about all of NBA history, all the jerseys that have gone on the memorabilia market, all of that stuff. This became number five. Number one, Michael Jordan's 1998 game fi- uh, NBA Finals Game 1 jersey, right? I want to know what that last game where he hit the shot, but anyway, yeah. that, he probably has that one at home. But yes, Michael Jordan's 1998 NBA Finals Game 1 jersey, that went for $10 million, so nuts, but understandable. Wilt Chamberlain, his 72 NBA Finals jersey, that Lakers jersey, went for nearly $5 million, Kobe Bryant had one that went for like a little over $3.5 million, his rookie jersey. But the fact that Victor Webanyama is in that conversation now, in the top five, those names, Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James, that jersey also is in the top five. And now Victor Webanyama. I mean, that's where we already are with this guy.
1: Man, it's just... It, it's. You gotta credit his talent. I mean, obviously <laughs> obviously these people believe in this young kid's talent. They believe he's gonna have an incredible career. Like I believe a that as well.
0: Dollars. I don't know. Yeah. If you had a if you think about who your like loves were growing up, like who your favorite players were. If you could if you could have one jersey from one era or one particular style of jersey from one player, who would you shell out some money for?
1: Oh man, uh I was actually lucky enough to get that jersey. I have a signed Bo Jackson jersey. So uh I'm Seriously? a huge Bo Jackson fan, yes, uh Alabama guy. So I'm I'm yeah. big on all my natives from Alabama, so uh I know the feeling, but I'm gonna be honest. It definitely wasn't <laughs> this. Did price it cost record. you a
0: million dollars?
1: Nah, no. not not no. even close. So <laughs> it was actually gifted to me, like thankfully. See? But, there you go. Yeah, so but to come out of my pocket, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm sure Bo Jackson's a fan of you too. So again, you all, the Alabama guys, got to stick together. Absolutely, um, yeah. I just shudder to think if Wemby's in an NBA Finals, if if already uh, his rookie year jersey is nearly a million. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, All right, Boogie, we'll leave it there. You guys can catch all the episodes of Bully Ball on YouTube, Showtime Basketball's channel. You can also get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Give us those five-star reviews. Those help us in the algorithm. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to ask for them. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm too cool for it. No, I am asking you. Go give that five-star review because that will help us out. Spread the love. Spread the love of Bully Ball. We will be back next Monday. Thank you, Boogie Cousins.
1: Thank you, Rachel.
2: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better